Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, Ball Nation. Welcome to another episode of Believe in Tennessee Football. I'm your host, as always, Kyler Kerbison, joined with Reed Bacon. Got a great one again. We're going to talk about the transfers. We're going to talk about D. Beckwith and Tyler Barron going to that transfer portal, what that means for us, why we think they went in there, um, and what are our chances of success without them or with them. And then we are breaking down the entire first half of this season, uh, Bowling Green all the way through South Carolina, give you our thoughts and feelings at the time, how we feel about that game, those games now, uh, what really stood out about those games and what it really showed us moving forward. Uh, so a great breakdown of all, all six of those and uh, just an awesome pot. So uh, let's jump into it. The game. Snap, the kick is in the air and the kick this time is no, sir, Reed. No, sir, Reed. Final score, Tennessee 20, Florida 17. Pandemonium reigns. Loads up, fires long for the end zone. The pass is going to be caught on Tennessee. Tennessee wins! by Tennessee, Jawan Jennings. Jennings makes the catch in the end zone on the Hail Mary. Down at the 35, to the 40, to the 45, to the 50, to the 45, to the 40, to the 35, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. What did he do? All he did was score. Joey Pitt, touchdown on play number one. Okay, so before we jump into the podcast, got to shout out our number one sponsor, betonline.ag. You got to go there to bet on any games. Listen, football, full swing. We're getting into bowl games. We're getting into college football playoffs. It's getting a later half of the NFL, you know, maybe some playoffs coming up. Basketball's in full swing. NBA, college basketball, now just starting up. To make all those games more exciting, you got to bet on them. Put some money down. It really gets the adrenaline going. So for stats, for odds, for spreads, everything that you need, betonline.ag is the place to go. Uh, Right now, they've just updated their um, desktop version of their website. So it looks brand new. So go there or on your mobile device. And when you sign up, you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. If you use code BELIEVE50, that's B L E A V. Five zero. So make sure and use that when you when you first sign up and you receive that fifty percent welcome bonus, which is just hey, it's extra money. Why wouldn't you do it? Um, so head on over to uh, betonline.ag. It's it's the best place to do any bets. Um, it's just the best sports book out there. So go on over. All right, welcome in everybody. Um, today is going to be a good one. We are going to break down the first half of this Tennessee season, this inaugural Josh Heupel season. Uh, so Bowling Green all the way through South Carolina. We put on Twitter uh, that we're going to ask some questions from you guys or get some questions from you guys. We're actually going to answer that in the next pod. 
Um, we're going to be recording all today, but we're going to split it up into two. Um, so the, your answers will be, your questions will be answered. Let's, let's say that. Okay. Um, so don't worry about that, but, uh, we are going to break down first half of the season, but first and foremost, Reed, how are we doing, bud? Kyler, what's up, baby? Uh, <laughs> doing well. I'm, I'm actually really excited for this pod a lot more than I expected. Um, I, I feel like too. I put, yeah, I felt like I put in just as much show prep on this one as I did for the recruiting one. And for some reason, I'm just, you know what? Maybe it's just today, and I'm just excited to see your beautiful face, but I just feel good. I'm excited. Uh, it's Friday, so – you know, you're, you got a, a snow day. I'm so jealous of all the Nashville people getting all that beautiful snow here in Knoxville. We got like a little dusting, maybe like a half inch. So that was, uh, that was it's probably cool. like, I mean, it was legit like four to six inches. Yeah. That's, that's, I, I mean, I love it. I'm such a kid when it comes to snow. It's, it's always so beautiful. Uh, my parents live on the golf course at Holston Hill. So one of my favorite things to do is when it snows and then at night to go out there and walk because the moon, kind of shines down at light so it's not as dark but it's just it's just gorgeous it's beautiful I went and walked last night and um so but no I mean I'm, I'm fired up for this I, I really am and um yeah kind of ready to to jump into it I yeah I don't know if you have a spot that you want to start with I kind of went and did a deep dive in some stats which I'm I like to look at numbers I'm pretty intrigued by them but I I kind of have some stats that I was just gonna kind of ramble off real quick before we start talking about each game and kind of how we felt at the start of the season, how we felt the week of the game, after the game, all that stuff. Yeah, I I, I totally agree with that. I think um, I think before we get into the season, though, I want to talk about because it's relevant right now. Guys entering the transfer portal. I so just forgot. Yes, we just yeah. found out this week, uh, like Reed said, recording on a Friday, that uh, D Beckwith. Uh, Will Albright and then a big shocker and Tyler Barron have entered the transfer portal. Now, I, I'm not sure if this means they're officially, you know, they could come back. This doesn't mean they're officially gone. Um, but Will, I get it. Long snapper, maybe wants to play somewhere else. That's fine. D, I get it. He's not going to get a lot of touches. He's not really a running back that fits this offensive system. And he's kind of that in-between guy. I've said it before on this pod that it, it that when guys are athletes and they don't necessarily have a, you know, specific position that they play, sometimes it is tough for them to succeed because it's just, you know, they're bouncing back and forth. So with D at running back, and I know people love D because he's big, and it's it's probably because Tennessee fans love Derrick Henry, and they're like D Beckwith, it's Derrick Henry, but it, not everybody's like that. Um, so I'm fine with D if he wants to go somewhere else, it probably helps him out. So I'm okay with that. Now Tyler Barron, this guy starts all year. He's really one of the leaders in the defensive line room. Um, he's got three more years of eligibility, uh, just room to absolutely grow. And my own, the only thing that explains this in my mind is NIL money is uh, the fact that he thinks in another school, he can make, more money and he's looking to see what his options are in the same way 
that an NFL player doesn't sign that contract to extend it to his team because he thinks there might be more money out there for me. And if I go into free agency and another team offers a lot and the original team I was on beats their offer, then I'll stay there. So I think that is where Tyler is headed. And I think that's probably where a lot of guys moving forward are going to try and do when they enter that transfer portal. This, this is the perfect example that shows that we really do not talk to each other about this pod before we do the pod, because I was about to interrupt you and good thing that you just kept talking, but <laughs> so not, not like insider knowledge, but kind of putting two and two together why the Tyler Barron things. And it's so funny. We, we had mentioned that we were going to talk about the transfer person. If I forget like five seconds before we jump on here, I'm like, all right, let me jump in the season statistics, but I'm glad we brought up the transfers uh, for a couple of different things. Um, first off, you guys got to remember this transfer portal goes both ways. So just because you might get upset about losing someone, you never know who we're going to gain. And like Kyler just said, like, you guys got to remember, just because they enter doesn't mean that they potentially could not open the door to come back. Uh, I, I agree with you 100%. I think it's let's see what's out there. Let's see what everyone in life, everyone in life thinks that they can do probably a little bit better they're always shooting a little bit higher. And then sometimes we realize what we are, who we are. And that's with, that's with us going after females. And luckily, <laughs> and, and luckily maybe for the two of us, maybe we did outkick. I mean, I, I always tell Ariel, I kicked out, outkick my coverage. So, you know, but you know, we're always, everybody's shooting for the stars job wise. We always think that we probably get, can get a better job or more money here or there or playing like in a school when you're coming out as a high schooler. I mean, everyone who's like, a D2 to in, uh, to D2 to one double A school always thinks they're one A and one A group of five thinks they're power five. And, and so and we all, that's just life. So I think a lot of that, what you're going to see is guys that had a good season at a lower tier pop up like a DeJon Terry did at Kansas to UT who, who would not want to play football at the university Tennessee compared to Kansas, no brainer. But then you're also going to have guys who like a D or like a T Hodge or like Brian Maurer and some of those guys that maybe think that there's something out there for them. And then they quickly realize like it is a lower tier and they might be totally fine with that because they know that they're going to get to play now. And it's all, it's all kind of, you know, do you like having a chance to earn a spot to play in front of a hundred thousand or do you just want to go get on the field and just play? Cause you know, you only have a couple more years to do it. You don't want to just practice and not get to play. The thing with the Tyler Barron I had someone text me, honestly, about a month and a half ago. Maybe, yeah, yeah, it was probably end of November, maybe December, so maybe a month ago. And they said, hey, Reed, have you or Kyler heard anything about his dad, Coach Abernathy, getting fired or getting into it? And I said, no, I haven't. I said, but this is, must have been they were reading one of the message boards or the war room or, or whatever they were reading. And it was talking about how Abernathy and Coach Gardner must have gotten into it at practice because Abernathy was there trying to – Coach Abernathy was not an on-field coach. He was a, like, player, player – He's like a player personnel, player, like player yeah. development kind of guy. Yeah. And he's actually yeah. a really great dude. Like, I knew him when Tyler was at Catholic. Um, he did some side stuff for us when I played at Tennessee. So, like, he's been in Knoxville for a long time, and he's a great dude. And we talked to him both times we went to practice. So, 
Um, but keep going. Sorry. No, I was. I, I, I'm going to echo all that. Coach Abernathy was extremely nice to me. Like, just a genuinely nice guy. I think he just is a people person. He likes to talk about people. You'll never hear me say a bad thing about him because guy didn't know who the hell I was, you know. And he just came up, started talking, treated me great because I was with you. And then we hit it off because, you know, uh, Knoxville Catholic and talking about it and talking ball. But to say all that to say, when I hear a rumor that Coach Gardner and him got into it or him and Eiffel got into it, like, I'm not surprised by that because when we were at practice, an on-field coach is could be mad at a non-on-field coach coming out there and coaching his son up. There's nothing more frustrating than when you're trying to coach or teach someone and then you have, like, another person trying to speak, you know, kind of undercut, uh, under, undercut undermine what you're doing. And I'm not saying Coach Abernathy was undermining what Gardner was saying, but I can say we were physically there watching one-on-ones. And anytime Tyler would go up, Abernathy, Coach Abernathy would stop talking, he would watch him, and then he would go try to coach his son up. And I can't imagine how frustrating that may be for a Rodney Garner because everything's great and dandy if you're preaching up out of the same hymnal. But the second that Gardner is trying to get one of his players to do something and the, and the father or someone else is telling him something different, it, 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 it's brutal to deal with. So none of that surprised me. I can totally understand that if it was kind of like, hey, like, we get it, man. Like, you can't be doing this. And so they let the dad go. And then the son's like, well, F y'all, you let my dad go. And and let's go try to chase some NIL money or let's get paid or whatever. All that makes total sense. Do I hate losing Tyler Barron? Like, it, I mean, it kind of stinks. I'm not, like, super bummed about it. No, no offense to him. I think he's fine. But I think it's more of an indictment on me than other people – I just know I'm not going to get worked up when we lose and when we lose people and we don't, I, I just, I don't have time for that. Like I just, my emotions can't be worrying about what some 18 year old is going to do for next year's like let, let Heifel and the coaching staff deal with that. They get to paid enough money to work, to worry about that. Not, not me as a fan. And so, I think, I think it also depends on, on who it is that's transferring. Like it really felt a lot harder when like Henry Toto transferred because he was like seen as the only good defense player we had at that moment where when Tyler transfers, yeah, it might stink. Like, it does suck for depth. Like, he was a good player. But, like, us losing Theo Jackson's a bigger deal. Us losing Matthew Butler's a bigger deal. Us losing Monte Taylor's a bigger deal. So, like, he wasn't seen as the best defensive player on this defense. So, I think that also is, like, in your head and, like, being able to separate it. I I, I will absolutely say that and not to – be hypocritical or whatever. Uh, but, but yeah, it's like Tyler was a solid player. I don't necessarily think he was a difference maker. Um, or he wasn't going to – I mean, he did have some very nice plays. But, yeah, like for me, I'll be honest, so that I, so it's not hypocritical. Like the only time I would maybe get upset is if we're losing a quarterback or like if we lost a couple offensive linemen. Because I just know like you know how I am. Like I'm not going to get bumped, worried about a receiver or – a running back or a tight end or, you know, a, a defensive back. Like, I, I feel like those are so much easier replaceable. But, yeah, if you lose a quarterback, that probably stings. Or if you lose a guy, like, say, if, if we had Trey Smith and he had left, like, that, that's a bummer because he's a, he's a very key point. Um, but, yeah, so to say if it was the fact that Coach Abernathy got fired and he wants to go, and I, I'm not going to say that, you know, the dad's trying to get another job somewhere because of his son. 
you know, because, I mean, they did start in Nashville, then they ended up at Catholic, and then they ended up at UT, and his dad had a job. So, like, you know how some of that stuff happens. And I don't know if his dad's trying to get another job somewhere else and or they're just trying to get money. Who knows? But it is what it is. I don't, I don't think fans should worry or get stressed about this portal thing because it's going to be – unless you like riding the roller coaster, then enjoy it. But that, for me, huh. I'll, I'll – for me, I'll, I'll I'll worry about the team when I see him when we go to fall when we go to spring practice. Yeah, I mean it can be uh, somewhat entertaining to these to the fans. I mean they they follow recruiting in the same way where it's like a guy commits then he decommits or you know he looks like he's going to sign then he signs somewhere else. It is very much a roller coaster to like follow that. I mean, but being a UT fan for the past past fifteen years has been a roller coaster anyway. So I mean, I get it. Um, I, I think I think that's my reason that I just I try not to get into recruiting so much because the season itself and these seasons enough have been enough roller coaster. I'm like I can't worry about what freaking Kyler Kerberson and Knoxville Catholic's gonna do. Like I gotta, <laughs> I'll just wait and cheer on the guy who's who's in orange. You know, yeah. So yeah, but. exactly. Um, all right. Well, let's jump into this season. Uh, let's jump into this little recap we got the first half of it. Um, so I know you said you want to do stats. Is that more of like full season stats? Because I think we saved that to the very end. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, I have full season stats, and I just think it's really eye-opening. But I'm with you, my brother. We can save it to the end. So are we going to – you just kind of – you want to start and talk about kind of how you felt going – because for me, my season review started us going to spring practice, us going to fall camp, and then Bowling Green. I, because that, there was no way for me not to – be thinking of stuff after seeing those two practices, but. Yeah. Um, I mean, we can definitely do that. I, I was, you know, I was thinking let's, let's talk about Bowling Green, but I think you make a good point when we went to both of those practice spring practice and then camp and then watch the entire season. Like I cannot express and I cannot even find the words to describe the absolute growth of this team from that first practice in spring to right now. Like it is one of the most insane things I've ever seen. And it's one of the reasons why I absolutely love Josh Heupel. I didn't really get to see that with coach Pruitt. I didn't go back and watch any practices. Um, And I mean, that's on me. I could have at any time. So you know, I, I didn't see that kind of stuff, but now that I had that opportunity and like saw spring practice and saw what he was working with, I mean, we said like, y'all, this is going to be way more than three years. And the unbelievable turnaround that, that he had and, and from spring to camp, from camp to the first game, from the first game to Purdue, I, I, I mean, it just, it just blows my mind. It, re- it really does. Like I said, like I, I can't put it into words how impressive that growth had been. Let me let me hit you with some funny stuff. Spring practice, everyone we we, we left there, and I was laughing and joking because uh, I I just I you know it's one of those things you, you laugh so that you don't cry, but the lack of depth and and all those things, I'm like, man, in some spots we look like a D two school, and and. Or I'm sitting there thinking, like, man, I really wish we had some D2 or one double A guys transferring in at line, you know, at linebacker or, you know, whatever else. But we left spring practice thinking Brian Mauer was going to be our quarterback. That's that's how much the one thing I've learned 
over the past couple of years. And then obviously it kind of revisited a season. And I love that Josh Heupel says a game in itself is so, you know, a game in itself is it's its, whole, its own entity. And like you, you played, well, I can say you played, you were around the greatest coach of all time and Bill Belichick when you spent, I guess, a couple like a of months. Yeah, exactly. A month of being up there in camp with them. But like he just treats each day as its own, each each practice is its own, each game is its own. And it's really true. And now I look at it as kind of each season is its own besides each week. But we thought Brian Mauer was going to be the quarterback. Brian Mauer wasn't even on the team to start the year. Like, and I'm not saying that's an indictment on you and I. All we can do is see what we see and trust our eyes and report back. And that's what was going on. And then, you know, you don't, we had no idea at spring practice who the playmakers on defense were going to be. Then we come to fall camp and it's like, you know, we felt better. We definitely felt better after fall camp, but we were still like, you know, in, 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 in spring, if someone had made me look at that team, I would have said they would have won three games. Then we go to fall camp and I'm like, all right, well, they can probably win five or six. But because you saw guys like I have it written down, like we saw Jawan Mitchell. Funny thing is, you know, like, Juwan Mitchell didn't even end up playing the season, but we felt so much better going into the season because of him. And then, but like you got Juwan Mitchell, Turnage, Haddon, Deshaun Terry, Javante, like all those guys that like those guys made a difference when you showed up to fall camp. But then you also saw guys who were back from injuries. You know, Jer Jeremy Banks was back out there. You saw uh, Alante back out there. Like you saw some of these different guys. And I was still worried about the offensive defensive line. So that's kind of where I was. And then, you go ahead with 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 Bowling Green and kind of how you felt about it, and then I'll I'll jump in from there. Yeah, so I mean, first game of the season, uh, really didn't know what to expect. Uh, I I think that when we went into this game, it was very much like, God, I hope we whoop the crap out of them and put up a good performance because in years past that didn't happen with these you know cupcake games to start the season. So. It was very much like apprehension. Like, I really don't know what's going to happen here. Now, looking back on it, it, it's not even like my top five most important game. But at that moment, it felt so important. Um, but, I mean, things that I love from it, um, you know, <laughs> we, we actually had that game. Like, Milton was our starting quarterback which is just kind of weird to think about it. Like he started the season out. Um, but I mean, that's, it was just, Hey, can you beat the team that you're supposed to beat? I don't think there was much that proved how other games in the future were going to go, but it was good to see us win a winnable game. Because there's a lot of times when teams, very winnable games, going against easy opponents, and they either take it lightly or they make uncharacteristic mistakes or things like that, and they really just can't get it done. Um, and some teams – it happened this year to Alabama. I mean, it happened this year to Alabama multiple times where they didn't take Auburn seriously. Bo Nix is out. You know, they're, they're a 500 team. They didn't take them seriously, and they almost beat them. But it just took Alabama to be like, oh, 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 crap. We're, we're actually supposed to put in an effort here. Um, so if, you, if you're able to 
put in your full effort, if you're able to actually have the game as important in your head, then there's not going to be those uncharacteristic mistakes. There's not going to be, you know, just pissing down your leg and losing like it had happened in the Jeremy Pruitt era. So it was great to see. But like I said, I would not say us winning that game told me what the future was going to be like, but us losing that game would have definitely told me what the future was going to be like. I I 100% agree uh, almost with with that sentiment of – and I have that written for my notes for Tennessee Tech. Like, bro, just, just handle business. And obviously, like, going into this game, I was like – I really didn't know what to expect. I was going into it very excited. I You know, I went to the Bowling Green game. I loved the atmosphere. I thought the, I thought the fans did a great job. Obviously, great fan base. And it was very enjoyable. And then when the game starts, I liked how they ran the ball. Um, I was I really liked how they ran Joe Milton. I, I I felt like going back and watching some of these highlights and watching some of these games, getting prepared for this. Like, I loved for those first couple weeks, first three weeks, where we would do the, you know, snap, step back, look around, and then they did that up the middle uh, court. But I wow. love that play, and I don't remember seeing it too terribly much towards the end of the season. Um, uh, but I love that play. Like, I I I just loved kind of how we ran the ball, we handled business. I was a little bit nervous about our defense. I remember coming out of that game being like, all right, we handled business, great. We won the game, great. We ran the ball well, that's good. Like, do what you're supposed to do. But it, I came out of the game like, huh, why are we rotating so much in the at the linebackers? Like, yep. why, are we, why, why are we rotating so much? I was like, well, I think they're just getting as many guys as they can. And the other thing is, too, I came out of that game saying – we didn't – there's no way we showed a bunch on offense. He he kept it as cool as a cucumber as he could, run the ball, handle what we need to do. So, I agree completely as we step into the pit game. We didn't learn much from Bowling Green besides the fact that this guy's not an idiot. He didn't toy around and lose. And let's see what happens. Now, go ahead. Yeah. You want Do you want to go with Pitt? Yeah. Um, I agree with what you were saying. Let's let, – Let's kind of see what happens as it goes um, with Pitt first true test. And honestly, like this feels like a lot more of an important game than any of the other ones that we talked about when we first, you know, before the season started. Um, this was, this was a game in which we could measure ourselves Um it was the first game to show us issues on the team and, and, and weaknesses. So it was an opportunity to be like, Hey, let's work on this kind of stuff. Like, let's not take, let this take advantage of us. Um, and the biggest two being penalties. Uh, Cause during this game, I, I had my phone up so I can look at these stats. We had 13 penalties for 134 yards. Like it was next level penalties. And, Obviously, you know, the refs have not been good all year, but some of those were on us. Like, it's not completely the rest. Like, guys are making mistakes. And then also the second quarter. Second quarter was a problem for us all year, and Pitt scored 27 points in the second quarter. Um, Unanswered also. So it's just that's where we were able to understand our weaknesses. Um understand what's what we actually need to work on and then the biggest takeaway was we got to see hooker he came in for injured joe milton and 
did pretty well. Like it wasn't, I, I wouldn't say it was like unbelievable, but I mean, he was still 15 of 21, 188 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. So it's pretty good for a guy coming off the bench. And then, you know, we've seen how much he's grown over these past, you know, 13 games. Um, but I, I, I liked that game. I, I thought it was good for us moving forward. And um, it was, a, I mean, just an absolute blessing that, <laughs> and I don't want to say this and sound like a dick, but like that Joe Milton got hurt. Like it really was like it, that, I mean, probably saved our season. You know, that just <laughs> just saying that makes me think like the only thing I don't understand, I guess maybe about hype was like, huh, why did he never think Kendall was gonna be better than Joe? But then I was like, Well, Reed, you were at practice and you saw how Joe practiced and you know things happen. So everything has a wild way of working itself out. But anyways, that yeah, but like me. and we said it at the time, but like if this was Coach Pruitt, like when Joe got healthy, he would have taken Hendon out. He would have put Joe back in. <laughs> yeah, he would have been yeah. like, what are you doing? This guy's throwing for three touchdowns a game. Right, right. That Yeah, sorry, I got sidetracked when you said that. Okay, I have a lot of a lot of things on Pitt. So Pitt was my game of the year. And I will claim stuff when I have when I have backup for it, whether I could have told a buddy and they're like, yeah, Reed did, did say that he did call that. I think if I'm not mistaken, I tweeted from the account – in like the first like five minutes, six, seven, eight minutes of the game, I said, we have a guy. Like we have a dude at coach or as our head man, because it only took me the first quarter to really, I was like, this, this, this play calling, what he's doing is so much different than what we just saw a week ago at Bowling Green. I said, and it was just so refreshing. And that's why I jumped on the bandwagon so fast, so early, which I usually don't do with a coach. With a coach, I, it maybe takes me a little bit longer. You know, Butch, I, I gave him the first year, and then I was out. Um, I'll be honest, like, I did like Pruitt. I thought there were some things about him early on that I was excited about. Obviously, he felt miserable, and I was wrong. But when I watched that first quarter, not because we jumped out on him, not at all. Like, I was more, like, impressed with some of our felt shortcomings, like, when we're overthrowing people, I'm like, oh, my God, he just got a guy wide open. Oh, my gosh, he just got a guy wide open again. Like, holy crap, we just lost three yards, and then he comes back and bangs him for an 18-yarder like it was cake. And I texted you and I texted some other people, and I tweeted out, I said, this guy is a football coach. To win in college football and a lot of times in the NFL, like, you got to have a, 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 a an advantage on the sideline, and we did, and that's what made me feel so great. The pit game was awesome, too, because – they came out and they hit a team in the mouth and they did it in multitudes of ways with special teams and offense and the defense was playing well. Let's not forget this was also the coming Theo Jackson coming out party. You got to always take yourself back to that moment in time. And it was easy for me to take myself back in, in that moment in time because I had COVID. So it was like a crappy time, but it was great because I got to watch this game and wasn't bothered. And I was really, you know, I wasn't around anyone. So it was just me and, we didn't know Theo Jackson was until this. And then he comes out and has, you know, 12, 13 tackles, tackles for loss. He's flying around. This was also, for me, Matthew Butler's coming out game. And those that was like, okay, are these guys one-game wonders or are these guys going to be our solidified leaders? Then, like you said, like Joe Milton 
didn't play bad in the run game. Like he ran it well, did some different stuff. And it was his deep shots that hurt him. And so it's like, okay, he gets hurt. We see that we have an advantage on the sideline with a coach, but we got a guy, we need someone that executes it. He gets hurt. Kyler, we haven't mentioned him yet. People still thought Harrison Bailey was going to get the opportunity to be the second man. Like people wanted Harrison Bailey like they wanted D Beck with like, Harrison Bailey's not even a thought anymore in any Tennessee fans' minds, really. And no, like, and, and, and you said it earlier when we were talking about transfers, like guys that go try and find, you know, greener pastures and nothing happens. Like Harrison Bailey doesn't find a spot yet. Like he's been in the transfer portal for months. Yeah. And the, and the thing about Harrison is I don't know if it was him. Have, and I, I don't know about this about any guys because I, I don't know personally, but like, he might not have been a guy who was like, oh, I'm better than this. Like, I can leave and go find something better. I think it might have been like he saw the right on the wall and, like, he was just not Heupel's guy. Like, they just – Heupel didn't trust him. So, he was like, I got to get out of here so I can go play. So, I'm not putting an indictment on Harrison thinking that he's not a, a, a competitor and tried to win the job. I think he just knew. Like, you know sometimes. You know if a boss is just, like, done or you don't mesh well or, like, you know if a coach doesn't. I mean, it just – it is what it is. But – we thought Harrison Bailey might step in. And then Hendon Hooker comes in. And just think back, we're like, okay, can Hendon just be halfway decent? And then and then look what he turned into. So the pit game was really a coming out game for our defensive leaders, our offensive uh, quarterback and playmaker, and our head coach. And we ended up losing the game. And I hated that we lost the game. It maybe showed some red flags and penalties and some of our, our, our short yardage stuff. But overall, for Pitt, like, some of these notes, um, you know, I mentioned how I thought he was a, 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 an advantage on the sideline, and I loved him. I loved how creative he was with some of the running games. One of the funny things is Callaway, bro. Callaway made a big-time play in that game at, at receiver to really get us back in the game because Pitt had answered and taken the lead. And he caught that short, that short screen route, and House calls it. So I'm like, dang, this boy's got some speed. Maybe he's going to be a player for us. And then it's like I was impressed with the blocking from the wide receivers. And the last thing that I'll finish up with this is it really showed me and impressed me that this team was going to fight. Because if, if you go back and watch, there were multiple times in the third quarter that this team was down 14. And then there was times in the fourth quarter where they really had to bow up. And, and there were times where I felt like this defense all year gets a lot of bad rap. And if you look at the defensive numbers, they're not great. But I felt like a lot of times this defense did make stops when they needed to and when we had to have them. And so the pit game, even though we lost, made me feel really, really good heading into the future and into the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And I think I, this was one of those games that, you know, we ended up having a couple more games or like this where it was the last drive, like decided the game. Um and it it is very much like, yes, we lost, but we're one play away from this being completely different. Whereas when we would lose to teams before with Jeremy Pruitt, it was like, we're not one play. We're multiple quarters away from competing with this team. So I think that was a part that was like very good to see because I mean, we, we still had a chance to score. We were scoring at will, and then Hinden throws an interception, and that pretty much just – that seals it. So, it's – it was it, it was definitely a good feeling after a loss, like the best feeling you could have after a loss. 
And you got to remember, and I don't want to say that if we played certain games later and other games earlier that we would – like, I obviously feel like if we played Florida at the end of the year, I think we beat them. I think if we had played Pitt again, I'm not going to say we beat them, but I think it's another really good game. Because, yeah. um, I mean, they ended like, up being the ACC champion. Like, correct. They, like this it, was not a bad team. This was a very good team. And that's exactly what I was about to say. They had a Heisman Trophy candidate at, at quarterback. They uh, they had good players all over. I mean, they had some really good players at different spots. I mean, their receiver was a was a very good player. Um, and you got to remember, like we didn't have Byron Young. Uh, we still had some injuries. I think at the running back, I, like Tyon hadn't been had been playing yet. Like, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know if Cooper had gotten hurt yet or if that was later. But like, I still remember there was some some different stuff going into that game that if it had been different or different timing. And we're not talking about, oh, we could have beaten, you know, a, a top, you know, 25, top 18 team. Like, no, nah, like this this team was the ACC champs. This team just played in a, you know, a New Year's Day Bowl. Like, this was a really good competition for us to measure ourselves against. Yeah, I mean, the biggest one is that Hendon wasn't starting. Right. Agreed. Agreed. So he came in halfway. Like, that's that's the biggest difference. Like, if we had Hendon for a full game versus them maybe later in the season – who knows what happens? Agreed. Um, all right, but l- let's jump into uh, Tennessee Tech. Um, this is short and sweet for me, by the way. Yeah, short and sweet Tennessee Tech. I mean, win the game, do what you're supposed to do. Uh, I think this was this was oh, here's what Hendon looks like. This was the game where it's like oh, like this guy's actually a really good quarterback. Now, obviously, it's versus worst competition, but it was still very much hey, he's going to be okay. Like, yes, he did throw that pick to end of the game versus Pitt, but that didn't define him. That isn't, you know, when a quarterback first throws a pick or has some fumbles like Kenan did, you know, PTSD of Tennessee fans, they think of JG. Like, they're just going to. So, to see him have a really good game where I think he was 15 of 18, like he really didn't throw the ball that much. We ran it a ton. Um, Let's see if I'm right. No, no, no. That's a later one. But he was 17 of 25, 199 yards and three touchdowns. So it's like, all right, dude, like do your thing. That's exactly what we need. Um, So that was good to see. And then I think we shut him out. And I think this was the, the game where we came back from it going. Where'd this defense come from? Because we didn't believe them in the spring by any means. We didn't believe in them in, in training camp. And then, you know, they gave up 41 points to Pitt. And then it was like, oh, oh, like, wait, we're leading the nation in tackles for loss right now? Like, oh, wait, we're able to get pressure in the backfield? Like, we're able to take advantage of our opportunities? Oh, like, this, this, this defense isn't bad. Like, it, it can still compete with the teams that we're going to face down the road. I definitely never thought coming out of the um, pit game that the defense was bad. I Like I said, I, I made a comment. I thought that they made and stepped up uh, when they were supposed to. I think it did, like you wanted to mention about our second quarter woes, I'll call them our terrible twos for our fans that have kids out there. The terrible twos was our ter- bad second quarters. But, like, for, for Pitt, like, besides showing that we're going to – potentially have problem with penalties, bad second quarters. The other thing that showed talking about defense was like sometimes we trouble, we have some trouble with running quarterbacks. And so I think that's one thing that was kind of a foreshadowing. But I still 
talk to transition to Tennessee Tech, like like you're saying about the defense, like I just like the fact that they just handled business and it wasn't like handled business and like we won 50 to 20. Like, no, like they went out there, they shut them out. They did what they were supposed to do. We had some picks. Like it just go dominate like you're supposed to dominate, get your confidence, pass some stats, and and let's get ready. So for me, Tennessee Tech was fine. It was like we did what we need to do. I do remember a little bit where I was like a little bit worried that we didn't run it maybe a little bit better. Um, but like you said, those are those games as a player. Sometimes you're like, I just played Pitt. I got Florida next week. How the hell am I supposed to get up? Or You know, we, we still won by 50 to nothing, like back off. A Actually, bit. Uh, 62 to nothing. Okay. Well, 56 50, to nothing. 56, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I completely agree. It's, it's one of those sandwich games where – it's, it doesn't seem quite as important. So right. um, it, that being said, it's nice to see that we won that game and we like, yes. crushed them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. So we'll pop into Florida. Do you want to start this one off? Go ahead. You go ahead. Uh, okay. So first SEC game. Um, very excited for this. Always tough to play in the swamp. Uh this was one of those games, that, and I talked about it before the season started, where it's like, I just want to be able to smack those teams in the mouth. Like, I know for a fact that Florida was a better team than us, that Alabama, that Georgia, when we went into the season. All I wanted was to for them to go, oh, oh, okay, w- wait a second. We actually have to try versus them. Not just think, like, this is an easy win, this is a cupcake – like Tennessee's the laughing stock of the SEC. I wanted them to feel us and understand, okay, this is a fight. This isn't just, you know, an exhibition. This is an actual fight. And they did that. I mean, it was 14 to 17 at halftime. We were still in this game, um, had some huge plays. That screen that took it, it took it to the house uh with Ty on, or wait, it was Jabari. Yeah. No, it was time. You're right. It was time. Okay, yeah. So with Tyon, it's like I was happy, very happy. And in the moment, watching that game was like, we're going to win this freaking ball game. Like it's going to happen. Um, they can't really stop us. And then one play changes the course of everything after halftime, drop ball on fourth down by Callaway. And you look back who we really didn't see him again all year. And I think it's like, uh, hey, put up or shut up, like show up in big moments, uh, make big catches, and you'll get the ball more, and people throw it to you more, and people trust you more. Once that stuff happens, once you have those drop balls, once you're not able to live up to expectations, other people take over. And that's where we saw – you know, Javante Payton start going, Cedric Tillman start going, uh, Vela start going, like other guys started stepping up and Callaway was kind of like left by the wayside. Yeah. So yeah, hold on. I, yeah, I got about a million things going on in my head. First off, I don't want to knock Callaway in the fact that I'm happy you said it. It necessarily wasn't about his shortcomings. It was also the fact that other people took advantage of their opportunities. This was still, if you remember, we were still rotating a guys a decent amount at receiver. 
And I do have on here, like, this was – I have in my notes, hello, Javante. Like, this was Javante's kind of little – he had that deep shot, big, big play from him. Going into this game, it's so weird, the mind that I have as a fan, as a Tennessee fan. Like, going into Pitt, I was excited and I was fired up and a little bit nervous because I didn't want to get blown out. I wanted to say, please, can we compete? And we did. So, like you mentioned, I felt as good as possible after a loss. It was kind of like, dang it, I wanted that one. Like, that stinks. Like, we had our opportunities, but I wasn't, like, pissed in, like, in the dumps because I felt like, holy crap, we just got beat by 30. Like, this is Pruitt all over again. This is Butch all over, whatever. So, going into the Florida game, I was hyped. Like, I was excited. I was like, yo, like, I think it was a 17-point or 21-point. I was like, bro, like, we're going to come in. Like, let's hit them in the mouth. Like, let's show them we're here to fight. Like, we might not have the depth, but let's bring it. So, I was just genuinely excited for the game. Like, I want to see hype on a big moment. I want to see this team in a big moment. And they got me fired up. I mean, I remember being outside. I was sitting there. I had some wings that I had ordered. My dad and Ariel and my mom and I were sitting outside watching it. And Tyon gets up and busts that. I stand up. I'm like, let's go. Like, come on now. Like, I was getting juice for that game. And so, even though it happened the way it did and we lost, yes, I was still bumming. Yes, I still hate losing to Florida. But, like, I'm not one of these Tennessee fans that was like, we need to expect to win. Like, I knew we weren't going to win the game, but we brought the fight to them. And I, if you remember, I wanted a fourth-quarter game. And I truly believe if he catches that pass, it's a one-possession, fourth-quarter game, and let's just see what the hell happens. So, ultimately, once again, we lost, and I was bummed, but I was still very hopeful because of how this team played, because of how hypeful – can call a game, how our defense made plays. Yes, we still had a problem with Emory Jones. Emory Jones, and I think, I think honestly, it wasn't a defensive scheme this whole year that hurt us stopping the run, stopping the running quarterback. I actually just think it was all a talent thing. Ser- seriously, like I, I really, you know what I mean. And not to knock those guys, but when you go and watch really good defenses, they have really good players in the front seven. And that's the reason that the quarterback can't get away necessarily like he can. So, like, there's – because, I mean, yes, technically we could have schemed to stop the running quarterback if we want, but then we're going to leave guys on an island on the outside or you're going to have mismatches with some outside linebacker or linebacker, Gordon or running back or whatever. But that game I still felt really good coming away. And, unfortunately, that's the one time that I felt like one player really hurt us because even though we had our terrible twos with a bad second quarter, we couldn't daggum snap the ball. We couldn't have an offensive line block. Hendon was getting killed. It just looked terrible. Like we literally had three possessions on offense that looked like high school football. But once again, the team didn't quit. We hit our deep shot to Tillman towards the end. We kept fighting, you know, and, and that's what I was happy about. So once again, I was happy after a loss, as happy as you can be. Yeah, and you you had said earlier about uh, not having the depth, and I think that hurt us in this game in the second half. Just like we wore out, like Big we really time. did. Yeah. yeah, and your point of player versus player, like our linebackers or defensive line versus Emory Jones, and being able to stop him and running, like he's a very talented runner. I mean, he had plays where we had a guy to tackle him and he juked him out. He made him look Correct. dumb. So it's like Correct. sometimes that's just hard to do. I mean, 
Derek Barnett is seen as one of the best players in, I mean, Tennessee history. Like he broke Reggie White's sack record. And when we played Oklahoma in Neyland, Baker Mayfield was a quarterback. Derek could not take him down to save his life. And I don't know if that's a knock on Derek. It is, it is just a great play by Baker. Like I think he just played really well and is very slippery and is not easy to take down. And that doesn't mean Derek's a bad player. So I think that's what happened in this game with the running quarterback. Um, and I, I was very much like, I'm glad we're not playing a lot of running quarterbacks. Like, I'm glad that, like, in the future, this isn't necessarily what offenses are trying to do. Like, there wasn't a bunch of teams in the SEC with Josh Dobbs uh, uh, as our quarterback. So it made me feel okay moving forward. Um, but I, I am totally on your side where it's, sometimes it doesn't even really feel like a scheme thing as it is just a talent thing. Let me let me ask you this, Kyler. And I know he is tough to – one thing I'm going to do better, like I'm going to try to do better is when I give examples, not use the greats of the greats. This time I am going to use a great of a great, and then I'll try to use a good player. But when you got when you got Matt Corral or Kenny Pickett or Emory Jones in the open field, do you want Trey Flowers trying to tackle him or do you want Eric Berry trying to tackle him? I mean, yeah. you see what I'm saying? And that's not a knock on Trey Flowers because, like I said, Eric Berry's not only one of the best players to come through Tennessee, he was an absolute stud in the NFL. I still feel like he was underrated in the NFL. I don't think he got his flowers like, he, you know, his kudos that he should have. But, like, a guy like that, I mean, like, you know what I mean? The coach is going to put both those players in the same position. It would just be like, who would you rather have in the open field? Trey Flowers trying to make tackle or me trying to make tackle? Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. there's, level, there's levels to this. And so, and, and to give you an example, like, like I said, I'm trying to think of someone who was really good, but not necessarily like an Eric Berry, but I'll worry about it for another time. But that's my point to this. Like, you you have certain guys like – I liked how Aaron Beasley and Solomon Page and Jeremy Banks and Juwan Mitchell, how they played when they were in there. But, like, you want him or do you want some of these linebackers that Georgia has? Or, like, you know, when they had Roquan Smith or some of these guys they have now, like, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so – but anyways, Florida game – uh I felt, once again, I hated losing, but I felt really good coming out of it because I knew what this season was going to be like for Tennessee. So even with a loss, I thought we were still ahead of schedule. Yeah, it was, it was, it was exciting to watch, but it was almost like this makes sense. Like this makes sense that we lost that game. This makes sense that we punched them in the mouth and then they took over in the second half because we don't have a lot of depth and, we're just not a deep team. Like it made sense. It wasn't one of those games where it's like, God, that was horrible performance by us. It was just like, okay, I get it. I get why they won this game. I mean, they just went, I mean, they just lost to Alabama by two the week before. So it's like, okay, I get why we lost this. Um, things, things, things can be the same result, but feel different. And this felt yeah. different. We still lost, but it felt different. Yeah, definitely. Um, Okay, and then on to Missouri, baby. This is a coming out. This is the coming out of Josh Heupel. This is that game where we actually got to see what is in store for this Josh Heupel coaching era and who he is as a coach, um, how he runs his team, and what he can actually do. 
this was one of the most exciting games. Um, I'm pretty sure Missouri was favored, uh, I think, by like five or something like that. And we put up 62 points on them. I, I, I mean, this was one of the most entertaining games I've watched in a long time because I was still trying to figure this team out. I was still waiting to see the genius of, of, of coach Heupel as an offensive coordinator. I hadn't really seen it yet. Like I, I saw some plays that I liked. I saw some open receivers that I liked, but nothing had really come all together in one single package. And this game did that. Um, and then it, not just Josh Heupel, but the talent that we had. This showed that Cedric Tillman is a beast. This showed that Javante Payton is going to be a good wide receiver for us. This showed that Tyon Evans has skill out his at, I mean, 92-yard touchdown. Like, this game showed that we have dudes on the team that can be successful under Josh Heupel. Um and it was such a great feeling to finally get that SEC win that we needed. It, it, it didn't feel like this. This I was not expecting. Like this game and the way it turned out, I wasn't expecting this. And when it ended, I was surprised that we whooped them like we did. I did not think that that would happen. I thought we would win. But I didn't think it would be an absolute just dog stomping. Like, oh my goodness! I couldn't agree more. And to bring some folks back to how I felt. Now think about this: we played Bowling Green, we played Pitt, we played Tennessee Tech, we played Florida, and this was the game that I was most nervous for out of those games. Like I would literally, and now that I can sit back. And think about the entire season, this game and Kentucky were the ones I was most nervous for. And that is hilarious to say. I literally woke up, like, excited. So, Florida game, I was excited and just wanted to see how we did. This Missouri game, I was, like, excited, nervous. Because I, I was like, dude, can we, you know, can we please do this? Like, I don't know much about Missouri. I think they had played pretty close for Kentucky. I'm like, maybe they're decent. Like, can we just win this one? Like, I, I think we might go down there for a dogfight. Like you said, I think it was three points that they were favored. Like, they were still favored. And so I woke up, and then we hit them in the mouth so early, and it was a blessing because I was like, oh, thank goodness. Like, and there, I don't I don't think there's a way we're going to choke this. But, like, it just – it felt a sense of relief. It felt like it was a coming out party. I feel like I should have enjoyed the game more. I was almost more in shock instead of enjoying the game because as a season goes on, you're always thinking about the next game. And I shouldn't have not even worried about the next game. I should have just been enjoying beating the living doo-doo out of them. Because if you think about it, going into the season, and we'll talk about this again, I picked that we would go six and six and then win the bowl game and make us seven wins. So technically I was right about the seven wins. I guess I was right about the seven and six because we ended up going – or what did we end up going? Eight yeah, or, seven and six. Or seven, yeah, seven, six. seven. Wait, no. No, seven and six. Yeah. Yeah, seven, seven and six. six. Yeah, and so I ended up picking it right – and but it wasn't it, I thought our six and six was going to look way different and like I remember telling you like we got to win one of these games we're not supposed to win of Missouri Kentucky and South Carolina and he beat all three of them there was no way going into the year I thought we beat all three of them I was going to be happy with two two and one 
Mm-hmm. And the fact that we did it the way we did it, it wasn't stressful at all. We beat the living crap out. Like it was amazing feeling. And like you said, like, it's just so funny sitting thinking, I remember laying on the couch in there getting ready for the game to start. And I'm like, texting buddies. I'm like, holy man. Like I just, I just, and then, and they do it. And that was like, wow, this is amazing. Just like against Bowling Green and Tennessee tech, we handled business like we were supposed to. This one felt great because it was like we handled business and played well against teams that we thought were our equals. Yep. That's exactly it. That we played well versus the teams that were our equals at that moment. Uh, I, I agree with you when you said Missouri, South Carolina, Kentucky, because I mean, before the season, I picked us five and seven. I, I, I didn't think I thought it would be a very long stretch to make a bowl. And we ended the season seven and five. So like, a two game swing from what I even guessed. Um, And even though we beat Missouri and South Carolina the year before with Pruitt, um, but then only ended up winning one more game because just the SEC crushed us. It's like, this this felt different. This, this this was, this was a different win than, than the previous year. It, 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 it solidified Coach Heupel as, okay, this guy is our coach. I, I mean, plain and simple. Um, I think he has the capability of being a good coach. Where Bowling Green, that's not a test. Tennessee Tech, that's not a test. Pitt, it's out of conference. Florida, they're a very good team. They were ranked in the top ten. You're going to lose. So nothing was really saying, hey – this guy can be a good coach well, for us which because, this game. Because, because we won the two games we were supposed to win and we, we lost the two games we were supposed to lose. So what's going to happen in those that are like, hey, you got to win one of these. And he, and he won it in spectacular fashion. Spectacular. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I, I enjoyed every single touchdown. I, I couldn't – it was almost unfathomable because I think we had scored 28 in the first quarter. Like, yeah. it, it was – yeah. And it was just back to back to back to back to back. And, I mean, like I said, that Tyon Evans 92-yard run was like, holy crap, this is what a cool, fun offense looks like. This is what scoring looks like. Because we couldn't get halfway down the field before throwing an interception last year. I remember – so my dad always – he likes to play – he's a big golfer and stuff. And he always plays on Sundays after church at 1 o'clock with what we jokingly call his boyfriends. And Saturday, he'll he'll try to play earlier if he can before a UT game, or if it's an early game, he might go out there later. But this game, he had played, and he was finishing up, and he was getting back to, like, watch the game. So I called him, and I was, like, freaking out. I was like, Dad. He's like, what, what, what? I was like, it is 28 to nothing. He's like, 28 to nothing? Because, you know, he's on, like, whole, like, 16 or 17, about to get home. He knows the game's – that start, he's like, wait, what'd you? He said, it's tw- I said, Dad, it's twenty-eight nothing already. He's like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. Well, then at halftime, he's like, we're talking on the phone because he ended up staying up there at the club and was like grabbing a drink and watching. And, and we're like, you know, cracking up. It's thirty-five to ten, and it's half or whatever it was. You know, it was it was a blowout at halftime. And so the thing is, we put sixty on him. I really feel like if Hypen wanted to, he could have put seventy or eighty on. Him. That that's what that's what's crazy about it is I felt like. He really and, – and I don't want to overshadow the defense. Like, the defense still held Missouri to, you know – I mean, it was a pretty dominant performance as well on defense. So Yeah, it was 42-10 uh, to 10 at halftime. 
That's okay. That's what it was. Yeah. And they yeah. let him score one more touchdown in the third, one more touchdown in the fourth. So end score was twenty or yeah, sixty-two to twenty-four. I swear, I think he could have put he could have put eighty on him if he wanted to. Yeah, for sure. I I, I definitely believe that. Um, okay, into South Carolina, last game of the pod. Um, going into South Carolina, I remember saying this that I loved our offense, but I was still nervous about our defense, that we're giving up scores that we shouldn't, that, you know, we could have not let Missouri score 24 points, and we hadn't had a turnover yet, like, in the entire – like, we did, we just didn't get turnovers. Yeah, we had a pick. You're saying we didn't have a lot, but we had a pick in the uh, Missouri game. I think it was Jeremy Banks. Okay. Okay. And then we and then I think, we had Yeah, some, I think I remember that now. And then we had some and then we had some turnovers in the um Tennessee Tech game. But I do remember you were saying you wanted more. I wanted more turnovers. And the way this game started, I was I remember being at the game. Um it was just absolutely beautiful. Beautiful day to be the game. Uh touchdown. So South Carolina goes, they punt. We get the ball, touchdown, 14 plays. South Carolina goes again, punt. We get the ball. Uh, three plays, touchdown. South Carolina gets the ball. Interception. We get the ball. Five plays, touchdown. South Carolina fumbled. Tennessee, three plays, touchdown. And it's 28 nothing. Like that. In an instant, it is 28 nothing. And this is like – and I kind of said it with Missouri, but this is where it's solidified and said that Missouri's not a fluke. Like that game wasn't a fluke. Like this is what this team is. Um, and it, it just it checked off all the boxes that I wanted. You know what I mean? Like I wanted more turnovers, we got more turnovers. I wanted less penalties, we had less penalties. I, I wanted a clean game, we had a clean game. Like it was, it was exactly what I was asking for in that moment and to do it against the other first year head coach in the sec east and show that like guess what we made the better hire than a technical like a rival in the sec east like we made the better hire of them like that felt so great and now looking back like I like I I put South Carolina as like my number three game because of this because it was two first year head coaches, and now it seems even even more important because that happened, um, and I think this also even though he had had games that were good before in the past and he had a very good Missouri game, I think this also solidified Hinden as like the fan favorite, the guy that everyone loves, the guy that everyone trusts. Like, I, I think this game actually did it um, because I I feel like he might have like gotten like SEC player of the week or something after this game. Um, but it, it, it was it was a big deal uh, that we were able to win this game because I think we were both around the same record with South Carolina at that at that time. And it was first-year coach versus first-year coach. And we were able to come out on top. Um, And then I'll let you go, and we can talk about the amazing black uniforms again if we want to, (laughs) because that was also this game. Yeah, yeah, you love the black uniforms. I'll remember that phone conversation forever, Uh, how how excited you were. 
this uh, this one going into it, I was uh, nervous but excited. I wasn't uh, as nervous as I was for Missouri because I was like, all right, they did it last week. And then once again, I'm sitting there and I'm watching. And it's like, like squeak, like wiping my eyes. Like, wait, are we really up 28-0 again? Like this is like this is a breather, bro. Like I can casually watch this now. Like casually watch it because I knew I have to go back and watch it again for the pod. But I'm like, wow, like this is incredible. Like. I, I don't really know how this feels as a Tennessee fan lately. Like, like this is just special. Like, the way we jumped out on teams, the way we're blasting teams. Like, I actually feel like we had the opportunity to do what we did to Missouri and South Carolina to Purdue. And that's the only reason I was a little frustrated with Purdue because I felt like for the Purdue game because we had this opportunity to jump up and Jeff Brom be looking over there at the music in the, you know, jokingly the Adelphia Coliseum Nissan Stadium back in the days but look up and be like holy moly like we're down to 31 to 10 at halftime so like going into this it was such a relief it was like wow Reed like you just beat Missouri and South Carolina like you just took two you just went two and oh very handily and very spectacular fashion against teams that people thought that you might lose against going into the year and we were favored to going into this game but I don't think we were necessarily favored going into this game at the start of the year. We were favored in this game because we were home and we just absolutely tattooed Missouri the week before. So it was like, it was just like, wow, like this is incredible. And I'm be honest with you, I actually don't think Shane Beamer's that bad of a coach. Like I, I think we, it was one of those that if we played South Carolina again, we beat them. But I don't know if we beat them like that. I think we just kind of got out of hand on them real quick, which is one of the things that's great about Heifel and his offense. Like you get one or two stops early, and the other team looks up and. They, they feel very overwhelmed. So, anyways, to wrap this pod up, halfway through the season, at this point, I was very, very happy. I was very, very excited, and I was very, very surprised with how far we had come from the spring, fall, to the mid kind of midpoint of the season. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It, it was uh, quite a turnaround, and to get to the midpoint four and two was not necessarily something I expected. Um and I remember now that, like, I'm thinking about it again. I remember, like, another thing on defense was, like, the double pass that everybody was doing versus us. And then this game, we had a pick. Like, yeah, that was yeah. the interception yeah. we had it versus a double pass. And it was, like, like, after this game, it was, like, we literally hit everything that I wanted. And that made me feel elated. Like, like so good about Coach Heupel and what this means for the future of this program. Like, it literally checked every box, this this game. And I was so happy to actually be there and see it for myself. Um, so, yeah. I, I, I The first half, even though, you know, we lose to Florida in, in our rival um, and we lose that close one to Pitt, the first half of the season was very successful in my eyes, I, I would, I would see it as a successful start to a coaching career for sure. I mean, you, we, we could have very easily been five and one with a team that with a win over the team that was the ACC champs, you know, we didn't know it at the time, but I mean, we were that close, that, that close. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I think this is a great pot. I, 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 like you said in the beginning, a lot of times when we go into pods and we're about to record, I'm kind of nervous because I'm thinking in my head, like, okay, how can I make this a good podcast? How can I make this entertaining? I want to make sure people are getting the information that they want. 
and all that's kind of running through my head. So I, I feel like some nerves when I go into them and when we record. But this one, I remember setting up and being like, oh, this is going to be a fun conversation. Like we're going to get to just uh, like the notes that I put down were like so easy to put down because I remember those feelings of those games. I was like, this is going to be like a very fun podcast and be able to answer some, you know, questions that people might have and, and what they thought we saw during the season. So, um, but I love this one. I think it's going to be great. It probably won't be as long as everybody uh, thinks. Usually uh, I've had people ask for two hour podcasts and I've had people ask for 45 minute podcasts. So uh, we're trying to get that, that sweet zone. Um, but I appreciate you guys coming out. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you watching. So does Reed. Uh, he never gets to do this finishing part. He definitely does. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're on YouTube, like, subscribe, hit that notification bell. If you're on the podcast platforms, please rate and review us um, and download and hit that follow button on all those podcast platforms. And word of mouth. It, it, spread this as much as you can. That, that's how we're going to get more listeners, more people, more believers in, in the podcast is, is word of mouth. So if you can share, uh, tell people that you're listening to it, tell them it's an awesome show. That would be great. Uh, if you want to contact us, uh, phone number 865-322-9232. Uh, email, believe in Tennessee football at gmail.com. As always, represented by betonline.ag. So check them out if you're betting on any sport, any game, and um, social media. Follow us on Twitter. That's our big one. Uh, I'm at Kyler Curbison, at rbacon26, and then at Believe in Tennessee. I also have Instagram and Facebook, at Kyler Curbison, if you want to follow us there. Um, but, yeah, again, just appreciate you guys. I uh, think you're the best in the world. And, uh, I'll, you know, as always, go all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.